Unless otherwise indicated, all scripture quotations are taken from the Holy Bible. New Living Translation, copyright 1996-2004-2015 by Tyndale House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Carol Stream, Illinois 60188. All rights reserved. Well, hello there and welcome to July 4th. Happy Independence Day to all you Americans out there. Um, yeah, we don't celebrate Independence Day here in Canada. We have our Canada Day on July 1st, but happy Fireworks Day to you. Today, we are going to be going through 2 Kings chapters 15 and 16. Then we're going to jump over to Hosea chapter 1. And then we're going to do Hebrews chapter 1 to finish things off today. It is day 185 of our journey through the word this year. Let's get right into it. 2 Kings chapter 15. Uzziah, son of Amaziah, began to rule over Judah in the 27th year of the reign of King Jeroboam II of Israel. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jechaliah from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. The Lord struck the king with leprosy, which lasted until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house. The king's son, Jotham, was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events in Uzziah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, and his son, Jotham, became the next king. Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria six months. Zechariah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, as his ancestors had done. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Shalom, son of Jabesh, conspired against Zechariah, assassinated him in public, and became the next king. The rest of the events in Zechariah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. So the Lord's message came to Jehu, or so the Lord's message to Jehu came true. Your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. Shalom, son of Jabesh, began to rule over Israel in the thirty-ninth year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. Shalom reigned in Samaria only one month. Then Menahem, son of Gadi, went to Samaria from Tirzah and assassinated him, and he became the next king. The rest of the events in Shalom's reign, including his conspiracy, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. At that time, Menahem destroyed the town of Tapua and all the surrounding countryside as far as Tirzah, because its citizens refused to surrender the town. He killed the entire population and ripped open the pregnant women. Menahem, son of Gadi, began to rule over Jerusalem in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria ten years. But Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight. During his entire reign, he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria invaded the land. But Menahem paid him 37 tons of silver to gain his support in tightening his grip on royal power. 
Menahem extorted the money from the rich of Israel, demanding that each of them pay fifty pieces of silver to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned from attacking Israel and did not stay in the land. The rest of the events in Menahem's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Menahem died, his son Pekahiah became the next king. Pekahiah, son of Menahem, began to rule over Israel in the fiftieth year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years. But Pekahiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Pekah, son of Remaliah, the commander of Pekahiah's army, conspired against him. With fifty men from Gilead, Pekah assassinated the king along with Argob and Arieh in the citadel of the palace at Samaria, and Pekah reigned in his place. The rest of the events in Pekahiah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Pekah, son of Remaliah, began to rule over Israel in the fifty-second year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria twenty years. But Pekah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. During Pekah's reign, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria attacked Israel again, and he captured the towns of Ejon, abelbath meachah Genoa, Kadesh, and Hazor. He also conquered the regions of Gilead, Galilee, and all of Naphtali, and he took the people to Assyria as captives. Then Hoshea, son of Elah, conspired against Pekah and assassinated him. He began to rule over Israel in the twentieth year of Jotham, son of Uzziah. The rest of the events in Pekah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Jotham, son of Uzziah, began to rule over Judah in the second year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. He was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem sixteen years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done, but he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. He rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. The rest of the events in Jotham's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. In those days, the Lord began to send King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel to attack Judah. When Jotham died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, and his son Ahaz became the next king. Second Kings, chapter 16. Ahaz, son of Jotham, began to rule over Judah in the seventeenth year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem sixteen years. He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord his God, as his ancestor David had done. Instead, he followed the example of the kings of Israel, even sacrificing his own son in the fire. In this way, he followed the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. Then King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel came up to attack Jerusalem. They besieged Ahaz but could not conquer him. At that time, the king of Edom recovered the town of Elath for Edom. He drove out the people of Judah and sent Edomites to live there, as they do to this day. King Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria with this message, I am your servant and your vassal. Come up and rescue me from the attacking armies of Aram and Israel. 
Then Ahaz took the silver and gold from the temple of the Lord and the palace treasury and sent it as a payment to the Assyrian king. So the king of Assyria attacked the Aramean capital of Damascus and led its population away as captives, resettling them in Kir. He also killed King Rezin. King Ahaz then went to Damascus to meet with King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. While he was there, he took special note of the altar. Then he sent a model of the altar to Uriah the priest, along with its design in full detail. Uriah followed the king's instructions and built an altar just like it, and it was ready before the king returned from Damascus. When the king returned, he inspected the altar and made offerings on it. He presented a burnt offering and a grain offering. He poured out a liquid offering, and he sprinkled the blood of peace offerings on the altar. Then King Ahaz removed the old bronze altar from its place in front of the Lord's temple between the entrance and the new altar and placed it on the north side of the new altar. He told Uriah the priest, Use the new altar for the morning sacrifices of burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt offering and grain offering, and the burnt offerings of all the people, as well as their grain offerings and liquid offerings. Sprinkle the blood from all the burnt offerings and sacrifices on the new altar. The bronze altar will be for my personal use only. Uriah the priest did just as King Ahaz commanded him. Then the king removed the side panels and basins from the portable water carts. He also removed the great bronze basin called the sea from the backs of the bronze oxen and placed it on the stone pavement. In deference to the king of Assyria, he also removed the canopy that had been constructed inside the palace for use on the Sabbath day, as well as the king's outer entrance to the temple of the Lord. The rest of the events in Ahaz's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Ahaz died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son, Hezekiah, became the next king. Hosea, chapter 1. The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshipping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, Name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah, not loved, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. After Gomer had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami, not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, You are not my people, it will be said, You are children of the living God. 
Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in his land. Hebrews chapter 1 Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as, his, as an inheritance, and through the Son he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, You are my Son. Today I have become your Father. God also said, I will be his Father and he will be my Son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, Let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, He sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the son, he says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out all the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also says to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, Sit at the place, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. Thank you for your word. When I first became a believer, I really struggled with this whole idea of the Trinity. How could God possibly be one, but still be three entities in Father, Son, and Spirit? For whatever reason, I found it easy to believe that Father and Spirit were both God, but this Jesus fellow was just a man who was full of the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? In fact, Deuteronomy 6.4 says here, and this is in the New American Standard Bible, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. How can God be more than that? In my mind, the words of Jesus were nothing more than spirit-inspired teachings from a man. But then I discovered the first chapter of Hebrews. There is nobody who God holds in greater esteem than his son. He is greater than the angels. He radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. God said about his son in Deuteronomy, let all of God's angels worship him. Really? God demanded time and time again that only he himself is to be worshiped. In Psalms 45, God refers to his son as God. He says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. And therefore, O God, your God has anointed you. 
Jesus was there from the foundations of the earth. He made the heavens with his hands. He was in very essence God. Every word he spoke came directly from the Father. Yes, the Trinity is a difficult concept to grasp, one that has been hotly debated for centuries, but there is no doubt in my mind that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all to be worshipped and adored as one. One of my favorite passages is from Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, the entire Bible points to the man Jesus Christ. Every word is God-breathed and God-inspired. This is so true, but to me, the words that I love to read over and over again are the ones that are printed red in my particular Bible. They are the words that Jesus, Messiah, Savior, King, best friend, God, spoke to us while he walked among us. I thank God for the faithful servants who recorded them so that we could be blessed by them thousands of years later. Thanks for joining me here today on Bible in a Year with Bill. I hope to see you tomorrow. Take care now.